Hey, hey, friend, welcome back for another episode. And today, this one's going to bless you. I had the amazing privilege to sit down and have a conversation with Katie Keene from her home and heart. And I just know that this conversation, mostly basically what she says, <laughs> is going to bless you and encourage you. She is a mom of four and she homeschools all four of them, as well as managing the complexities that comes with having special needs children. And I know you're going to hear her heart through what she says. And so I'm going to say, let's just, I'm going to encourage you to be sit down with something cozy and comfy to drink and grab that blanket, or maybe you've got some laundry to fold or dishes to wash. That's okay too. Let's go ahead and listen in on this conversation and just enjoy it. Welcome to the Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, where you can get out of survival mode, feel confident in your homeschool decisions, and gain peace in your heart and home. I know that when we plant our feet firmly in this season of life and embrace our homeschooling, motherhood, and homemaking, we will thrive. I truly believe that we can do this from a place of peace and joy, all while growing a ton of contentment. And while we're at it, Mama, let's deepen those relationships with our children and love these years we get to pour into them. If you're ready to create beauty, seek simplicity, and live intentionally, homeschool Mama, then close out that lesson book, let the kids go play, and let's have an authentic conversation. Hello, friends of Little by Little Homeschool Podcast. Today, I am blessed to have a conversation, and you are going to be blessed to listen in on this conversation with Katie Keene from Her Home and Heart. And we've got some topics we're going to talk about that I'm asked about very often. And she has experience and grace and encouragement to offer you through all of this. So, Katie, welcome to the podcast. And can you share a little bit about yourself, your family, your homeschool, whatever it is you'd like to share with us? Yes. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, It's so good to be here. I have five children. They're about the same ages as yours. So we were talking about that before, um, ranging from 19 all the way down to nine. And we have homeschooled for most of our journey. Um, We were a military family, which was the beginning steps into our homeschooling life. And in my crowd, we have two who have special needs, uh, various different kinds. And so it's been a a large um, breadth of learning for me on this journey. Well, thank you. That that's good a good intro. I know we're gonna dive in a little bit more, especially to the special needs and then just your family as a whole and just how does that uh especially influence your homeschool? So you gave a little bit of an idea to us, but can you sp- explain a little bit more about how your family came into the homeschooling lifestyle? Was this something you always wanted to do? How did you did you stumble into it? Did you go to the kids go to public or private school? Just tell us, give us all the details. Growing up, I actually always wanted to be a homeschool kid, but I didn't know any. Well, I had one, you know, distant friends who they homeschooled their kids and I had no idea what that really meant. I just didn't want to go to school. But my husband and I both come from families of teachers and they are precious, beautiful people who give and give and give. And we always thought that our kids would go to public school, but God had a very different plan for our family. And so as we were being stationed around in different places with the military, we hit a point where our son was supposed to go to kindergarten and where we were stationed was absolutely an inappropriate place for him to go to school. Some of the state laws that had just come into place were things we very much disagreed with, didn't want him exposed to. And we said, nah, let's just 
see how this goes to homeschool. And we happened by God's grace to be surrounded by so many beautiful homeschooling families. You know, we had never realized that homeschool kids could be so articulate, so capable of getting into amazing, you know, high level colleges, like military academies and Ivy league schools. And, you know, we were surrounded by people I could ask questions to and whose children were just so well adjusted. And that gave us a lot of hope right then when we were having such a large shift in what we expected happen in our family. And so um, God was very good. So no, we didn't plan on it, but we sure have really been blessed by him. I love how you said you kind of, that you wanted to be, you didn't want to go to school and you had these friends that were homeschooled. That's, and I think back to my own experience and I didn't know what homeschool was, but I know that's what I wish I could have been. If I had, if I even had the word to point to it and then just how God provided people. And I hear this often, and that's my same experience too. God just provided people even throughout my homeschooling that were able to be a great resource and an encouragement for, for that season. And so you guys got a little taste of it there. And I imagine you probably had to move again and decided to continue with the homeschooling. And well, we actually moved again and had a beautiful local Christian private first grade. It was a short day, seven children in the class. By then we'd had our third child. He had some of his own mild medical things. And I was able to take my son to first grade, my daughter to preschool and go do all the shopping and the cleaning and the medical appointments. Well, there was no second grade and the area was not a good area for putting a kid into public school. (laughs) So again, God provided and we found a beautiful community with a tutorial. So I was able to step out into homeschooling, but surrounded by people who were far more knowledgeable than I was. And so I had that, that feeling of a little bit more safety in a choice that I just hadn't really, you know, I, we had considered it one year at a time prior, um, but it just felt so heavy to me. It's such a gravity. How am I going to make sure he doesn't have gaps in his education and, you know, all these worries and anxiety over it. And, um, but we, we knew it was the right choice. And so we did, we began that second grade year, full-time homeschooling, um, joined that once a week tutorial and we have not looked back. It has been a gift to our family in so many ways. That way that God provided that time, I can just see that you needed that time to get some things done and you had a baby that had some needs you needed to meet. And he provided that space where he, your two of your kids could go and, and be safe and have, you know, learn and, and to grow. And then when that season shifted, he provided another great resource and, and people. And so since then, so we're talking, so at this point you have three kids and now at this point in life, you have five. So what does a typical day look like for your family? Well, a typical day, I would say it looks different almost every quarter. We reassess because we have so many medical needs. The children are so many varying ages. What we've done is we've structured our work day um, and our school day to fit the season and how we're feeling. And so we sit down as a family. We have constant family meetings um, where we brainstorm together and we plan together and we dream together and we listen to each other. And so um, for, you know, probably three quarters now, we've had a really good system where we have specific blocks of time in the day that are dedicated to both working and homeschooling. Um, It's where I do things like podcasting and, um, you know, other seasons where we've had 
different timeframes, different assignments for each person during different work blocks. Um, we homeschool through the year. We just change the subjects during the summer. And that is because of our medical needs. So our day looks a lot different than what maybe my neighbors across the neighborhood who homeschool, um, they do not have special needs. They have fewer children and they're able to really power through during the school months that are, you know, your more common school months. We, on the other hand, don't know what we will face day to day. So we just pluck away at it, make learning a lifestyle. It's a passion that we love. And so it doesn't feel like drudgery. We just simply continue on all year long and reassess what the days will look like as we go. This is a really good example of the flexibility with homeschool mm -hmm. and working it around your family and what are, what are your needs and your wants and then your goals and being able to structure it. Cause I know that's often a concern. Well, maybe not a concern, but that's a big hurdle for people when they get into the homeschooling is we're so used to sitting down. You have to be there, whether it's eight 30 or nine o'clock until two thirty, three o'clock. And that's what you have to be doing. Whereas you're an example of during of homeschooling and being able to fit the educational part around what your family needs. We've had no choice. And I did try in the beginning before I realized that home education is not the same thing as public school education. And there's so much confusion around that. And then I see so many other families like mine who have hit this season where there are sudden diagnoses. There's things they didn't expect. There's extra stress. Maybe mom herself is chronically ill or she's hit a pregnancy and she's particularly sick. And there's so much anxiety and stress around that scheduling idea where we have to sit down for math at nine and history at 10 and, you know, do it for a full hour and the kid can't sit still in their seat. And, you know, there's just misery and fighting. And eventually they get to the high school years and they give up. The parent says enough if they didn't give up before then. And, um, you know, we, we had to give up that method really quickly <laughs> in our early days it just did not work for us with all the needs that we had. And that's, but that's beautiful though, because imagine if you weren't homeschooling, how it would be so structured and you get to, you get to decide and maybe you are tending to some of your children. And now that you have older ones, they become more independent. I'm sure you have worked on that, on teaching them to be independent yeah. and wanting to learn and being able to pursue their own educational path with your guidance and direction and resources. And a hundred percent. I mean, I just say that I partner with them for high school. They That's are good. the lead. They have the passion, you know, and <laughs> so it's, it's one of those dreamy things when you hear your kids say, but mom, I need more time to study. And then it follows with whatever it is, you know, <laughs> That's yeah. goals on goals right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But you so put in the, but you get to that point by putting in the time when they're younger. And it doesn't mean that if you're pulling a child out from public or private in high school, it just, you have just a short amount of time to get them to that point. But that's a testament of, of you putting in the hard work and the setting that foundation. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your special needs and with homeschooling. And can you share a little bit about what an IEP is? Now, I remember when I started hearing that acronym years ago, I didn't understand. So I just want to start off like basis you know, ground basement floor here. So others can understand because my question is explain to me what, what an IEP is, because we often will hear that in passing in circles. So instead of there being any question as to what that is, and then my question is, you know, does it have a place or when does it have a place in homeschool? Okay. So it's an individualized, individualized educational plan. Um, back when my, well, 
Each of my children have had their own unique diagnoses. Some have pulled through, some have not. One of them had an early childhood development IEP. And that's where I was initially exposed to that. And I will say that from all the parents I know who've had to struggle through that in the public system, I have never heard anything good. (laughs) It's not something I personally wanted to endure because of how many challenges I saw parents have. I do know there are places like HSLDA, the uh, Homeschooling Legal Defense Agency, that can help guide a parent who is interested in trying to pursue something like that for homeschooling. There are other homeschooling versions of IEPs, but that is not something that we chose to use in our family. And for me, my, my whole educational philosophy is IEP, whether the child has a diagnosis or not. You know, it's to see what the child needs, where they need support, whether they're a typical gifted or disabled learner and support them there and where they have already wings that they can soar with to really celebrate them there. For our family, we chose not to actually use one of those, but I can't say, oh, it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. Every single family has to decide that for themselves based on their own child and their own family's unique needs. And so if that's something they're interested in, I do recommend reach out, you know, talk to somebody like HSLDA, find out more information and really decide with your spouse and with your kids and have open conversation about it is if that's something you want to pursue. That's good information there. And that kind of lays the ground floor for anybody who's maybe in circles and doesn't understand. And I know there's been words and acronyms people use. And I'm like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be the one to ask. So thank you for, for clearing that up and for giving Mm -hmm. us your experience as well. It's typically more of a public school term, though Mm -hmm. there is a homeschool version of it. It's mainly so that there's good, clear communication between the parent and the teaching staff as to what Mm -hmm. needs that child has and what extra support they should be given while they're in the classroom. But because our home and our life is the classroom when we're homeschool family, we get to make the plan ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, I do know there are, there is one big concern that many parents have about homeschooling and it is the fact of losing access to services provided by their local school. Now, I do know that every state may have different regulations, so I always encourage you have to look into your own state, and HSLDA can be a good resource for that as well. But could you share if and how this has been a part of your family's homeschool? Have you used access to local school districts and what they have? Um, Or if if you'd rather, or, or in addition to, share some experience of some families that you have worked with as far as access to services for their kids uh, locally at the school. Yeah. So it really is, again, state by state, like you said, it's state by state and it's really family by family. It was not when in our early years. Yes. But that was for early childhood um, development. It was not because we did not access public school systems at any point, something that um, we were able to just navigate by being there and then not being there. We did not want those services. We we know many of the therapists who work in the school system. And we have heard many of the stories of how challenging it can be for those children to have adequate access to the amount of therapy that they need. And again, that could be more that my area has more problems with that. I have a friend in Texas whose area has gone far over budget to provide amazing resources for their specific community of special needs families. I don't know that the homeschoolers there have access, but I know that in general, their school system is robust in that way. I know where we are, it is not. And um, we chose to do private insurance because we could, 
And we then also chose to get trained uh, ourselves. And so we pursued neurodevelopmental education and then implement that in a daily way as a family team, as a lifestyle. So that's been more effective for us. And from what we know with neurodevelopmental training really is that one or two therapies a week, it is actually not enough to truly trigger the brain to make those connections. And if you do want to see a lot of forward progress with your child, implementing those therapies at home that you believe are working for your child is very important. I think your statements there give a lot of, a lot of hope. It might sound a little scary or to some parents who are considering and thinking that they, that they can't do it. But I always say you are, you love your child more than anybody else and you'll, you'll be able to, to do the work. And I think that what you just said is, is, is really encouraging that it is possible for parents to find resources and therapists and whatever it is that's needed outside of the school system. And I think some of the fear comes along with a cost for that as well. And, but that also you going, you and your husband getting that training and the importance of now your kids can have seven days a week of, of, of implementing uh, the different resources instead of just one or two. So thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah. My pleasure. It's made a tremendous difference for our children and in our own confidence, in our own ability to know that in the future, we won't have regret as well. And when you look at a lifetime of cost shares (laughs) versus a burst of fees to get trained, um, then implement, you know, and it is overwhelming. I mean, I have to say, you're right. I know there are parents listening right now saying, oh my gosh, like I couldn't do that. And that's one of the big things I love to talk about is managing overwhelm because that's a huge part that we don't ask for, not just in parenting, but especially when you have an unexpected diagnosis, overwhelm is an absolute real piece of this and it can be managed. It can absolutely, so you can have a beautiful thriving family. It just will look different than you initially imagined. Um, so don't feel hopeless. You know, if you do feel overwhelmed, that's okay. That's a part of this game, but there are supports. You can do this. It can work out. It just might look totally different in your family than it does in somebody else's family. And I imagine not saying that you don't feel overwhelmed now, but I'm, you have learned probably how to, how to manage that and what that looks like and how much you can handle. And so some of these moms listening are afraid of jumping into that overwhelmed feeling, but just listening to you now shows that there's been a progression and a journey and a growth and a peace that comes, I'm sure from God through, With my full- through this. Absolutely. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. Go um, ahead. yes, there, I want to be very clear that I still regularly feel overwhelmed because with my fourth child, he's profoundly disabled. He requires 24 seven care and feeling overwhelmed. I kind of think is part of this journey, but what I've learned is how to thrive and notice when I feel overwhelmed and then how to, how to balance that, how to receive the self-care that I need, how to make sure my family understands so that I can mitigate that emotion and I can take care of whatever is causing it. So I've become more aware. Why am I feeling overwhelmed? You know, and yes, God, absolutely. He provides. And if we are willing to take him up on it, a lot of the time his provision is through others around us. It can be through really meditating on his scripture and his word, letting ourselves feel his love instead of self-condemnation. Oh, I'm failing my family. I'm such a failure. You know, I hear that all the time from mothers. I yelled again. I, I am not perfect. 
our homeschool schedule is a wreck. You know, I hear these things all the time and I just want to hug each mom and cry with her because I know, I know that feeling and it's okay. And God will provide. You just have to be willing to open your arms and say, okay, I'll take help. I feel overwhelmed. I'm not bad because I feel overwhelmed. How can we lighten the overwhelm? Are there some simple home systems? Are there some simple relationship techniques? Are there some different maybe homeschool philosophies that we could use here? How can we layer in support for ourselves to reduce the overwhelm and live in a thriving way where we raise a healthy, gorgeous family that's glorifying God in the middle of the storm so that people on the outside look in and say, wow, how are you doing that? And you say, because God has a pipeline of grace coming into my house. Let me tell you about him. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I think you almost answered my next question, but there might be like a little bit of a tweak. I wanted to ask you about what is something that you wish other homeschool families would understand about a homeschool family with a special needs child? And how can we, how can we come alongside you? How can we maybe help? And what are the things we could do or maybe say? Because sometimes people don't know what to do or what to say. And how can we be the one that maybe sometimes reaches out as opposed to just waiting for someone to call us or text us? That is such a very good question. Such a good question. Um, okay. So I want to try to a- answer your questions in order. Can you say the very first piece of that question? Yeah. What is something you wish other homeschool families would understand? Okay. Because it's separate from the rest of the question. The very most important thing I want um, homeschool families to know, there are a couple of things. First, God gave you an instinct. Trust it. Your doctor will tell you you're wrong. Your neighbors, your family, your friends, your therapists, you will be challenged. It will happen. You might even be called a quack. You might be called overreactive. I have all these things written in my record too as a mother. And I cannot tell you, I cannot count the number of my friends who are special needs mothers who also have things, horrible, mean, ugly, untrue things written in the medical records about them. That does not reflect who you are. It does not reflect what responsibility God has given you with this beautiful child you're blessed with. Trust your gut. Pray and move forward with confidence and faith. He will guide you and you are the expert on your child. And that is one of the lessons our Neurodevelopmental Institute taught us over and over as well. And they have been working with families since the right after World War II. So imagine in all those decades, how many people they've seen. And they would remind us like a broken record that we are the expert on our child. If you're going to make forward progress with a child who has severe needs, you have to trust yourself because that child trusts you. So that is extremely important. And then the second piece to that is don't compare. Don't compare yourself, your mothering, your relationship with your husband. Don't compare your parenting, your home, nothing. Put your blinders on, look up to the Lord and focus on what he says about you, what he says about your family. And that's it. (laughs) Because if you start the comparison game, it's going to go bad really quick. And then you're not available for your children you, the way you need to be emotionally or your husband. And it's just not worth it. It's a real, it's a real trick of the devil. So just put the blinders on. So those two things, trust your gut, put your blinders on. That's beautiful. Okay. What were the rest of the questions? <laughs> so how can other families come alongside? How can we as homeschool families see a family like yours or similar? And, and how can we then come alongside you and help you and, and what do we say? What do we do? What are some suggestions and places to start that you would, you would offer us? Yeah. Such a good question because there are so many families 
the population of people with disabilities is over 20% in the world. But it's a very, for the most part, unseen population. We see more people with disabilities in America because we have the Americans with Disabilities Act. So we do see them, although a few decades ago, we didn't really. But around the world in general, the disability community is hidden. It's people feel fear. They feel uncomfortable. They're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing, look at the disabled person wrong, somehow offend. But the problem is that every person, whether it's a child like my son who can't speak, can't care for himself, or someone like one of my other children who simply struggles with sensory and audio processing and so might take a little longer to get a message through and have a conversation, but brilliant, precious person. Everyone just wants to be seen. Everyone just wants to be acknowledged. And so if you can keep in perspective that every person you encounter, whether they are autistic or in a wheelchair or even have type one diabetes, that they are just a gorgeous human, God's breath breathed into someone in a body that's not working for them, but that their value is innate because they are God's, they are his creation and start from that perspective and don't worry about you. Don't be so self-focused that you're worried that you are going to say the wrong thing and you might look the wrong way and you this and you that, because that's where we all get tripped up. It's when we're focused on ourselves. So if we focus instead on that person, what can we encourage them with today? What can we just listen? You know, just, hi, how are you? That's a great place to start. It's so nice to meet you. What's your name? That's it. Like, it's really, really simple. Just basic human respect and acknowledgement goes so far. And then as far as how to actually help, that's a huge piece right then and there. But it's going to be unique for every family. It could be that you mow the lawn, offer, can I mow your lawn once a week? That can be such a huge help. It could be that you just call and say, how are you doing? And I don't mean tell me you're fine. How are you really? Uh-huh. <laughs> no judgment. And I'm not going to repeat it to anybody. And you just listen. It could be that you pick up groceries once a week or bring them a meal once a month or I don't know. They may not know. And so the key is when they say, I don't really know, is that you just do something. You come run the laundry once a week. You come and say, go out for a date. I got this. Train me on all of it. I'll, I'll keep the kids safe. I promise. Go. I'll see you in three hours, you know, and just be there even when they, when they don't know. Thank you. That was very practical, but also just in our minds also too. I kept thinking of the term of image bearers and how everybody is an image bearer of, of God and just approaching them like that. And that's exactly what you, what you said. Could you offer some advice or wisdom, encouragement for the mom who's listening? Now she's considering homeschool, but her concern is for not being able to meet the needs, the educational needs, or just the needs of her child with special needs. And that's what's holding her back. What would you say to her? I have to not be long-winded, but I want to tell you a quick (laughs) story because the story kind of sums it up because I felt that I was there. I had been homeschooling my second child for years. I had done all the therapies, all the tutoring I went and got myself trained to tutor because it finally was too expensive to hire it out all the time. And I just didn't see the progress that I wanted. And I was focused on me. I wanted to have proof, proof that we were going to be okay in the long term, proof that I was providing enough. I wasn't relying on God. I thought it was, but I just needed proof. So we took her to 
two doctors to do more analysis than she had had. One did not do a good job. So we went to a second one. He had more than one PhD and had been an advocate in our county, three counties for decades, three decades, I think. All the IEP um, negotiations with schools. He tested my child for hours and hours. And I mean, I'd brought in a list of all the therapies and things that we had done. It was like as long as Santa Claus is not a nice list. And I thought, you know, he's going to test and he's going to come out and he is going to put a big red failure F on my forehead, even though I've given it my all. I just know it. Well, instead he came out after hours of me pacing a, a hole into the floor. And he said, he put his hand on my shoulder and his hand on my husband's shoulder. And he said, do not put this child in school. <laughs> I was like, wow, are you kidding me? And so he followed on. He said, the self-confidence in this child will take this child further than anything else that you could ever teach. Keep that intact. It will not stay intact if you put this child in school. He said, I have no options for you online. I don't have anything to recommend, but I'm telling you, you go search, go and do and find and keep doing what you're doing. And so that story for me, it really helps me explain to moms, like you are the best teacher for your child. God chose you. He paired you with this child. Trust yourself. It goes back to that initial thing. Trust yourself. And again, I will say our neurodevelopmental Institute hammered into our heads. We are the expert on our child. And that comes to teaching our child as well. And again, it may not look like what your neighbor's homeschool looks like. It may not look like what your child's siblings homeschool looks like. It may be that if you're a public school family, you keep one in school and you bring one home. I mean, however it uniquely needs to work for your family, put the blinders on, do what you know God's calling you to and walk out in faith, even though you feel the fear. Thank you for that. Cause I have goosebumps right now listening to that story. And I know that that was an encouragement. I know that there are moms out there listening and heard that and are saying, that's what I needed. That's, that's exactly what I needed. So thank you for that, Katie. So what would you, would you add anything to that? If there's a mom that is homeschooling right now, her child has special needs and she's just kind of, she's gotten to the end and she doesn't know if she should, or if she even can continue on, what would you say to her? Well, you absolutely can. <laughs> and seek support. You know, that's the kind of thing that there are a lot of people out there. I, I do coaching on that. We have a whole membership just specific to support moms in that position. We have a membership of Christian homeschooling, special needs moms. We meet together and pray for each other and ask each other questions and share resources and cry together. And, you know, even just last night, messaging each other, praying for a member who happened to be in the ER and, you know, it's, we need support like that on the road of other people who say, man, I get it. I know why you want to quit today. Whew. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> and then I'll tell you my story. Can you believe it? You know, and then you can cry about it, laugh about it, but it really does help carry you through those hard times because homeschooling, whether you have a typical child or not, is going to have its hard times, just like you'd have if they were in public school. It's just different hard times. This has been very encouraging for me and I know know for moms listening. And I know you mentioned a membership and helping moms in um, similar, you know, family dynamics as you. So where can the moms who are listening to you and saying, I need to connect with Katie, where can you point them? Where can they connect with you? Well, so I have a very simple place I love to keep updated. It's literally Linktree slash family success. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. so simple. 
Um, I am building my website right now. You can also go to my podcast, which currently is called Her Home and Heart. Um, but Linktree is the fastest place to find me to find all the new goodies and coupons and things that are available, um, freebies, resources. Okay, perfect. And we're, I'm going to link those in the show notes as well. So you can just scroll on down to that and then get uh, get to Katie. So thank you for joining me here today and having this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. That was amazing, wasn't it? I know right now you're feeling filled up, pumped up to homeschool and to mother our children really well. Her words of wisdom are just filled with grace and understanding and she just is a, a sweet, sweet person. And I know that we all wish that we live next door to Katie or at least maybe across town and we could meet up and have some coffee with her. But as promised, I will drop in the show notes the link so that you can connect with her beyond this podcast. And I certainly hope that you do so. And until next time, have a really good day, friend. If this podcast has encouraged you, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear how this show has impacted you. So if you could hop over and do that, I'd be so grateful. While you're at it, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends to encourage them. You can also find me over on Instagram at Little by Little Homeschool. Until next time, have a beautiful day, Mama.